Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Now, here is a motion picture film. Showtime! To do the bimes. Say hello to my little friend! Go ahead. Make my day. Come quietly or there will be trouble. I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Inconceivable! Welcome to the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm sorry, boys. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Will. Hey, hey. Donnie. Yo. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? That's right. All four of us are at the, <laughs> in the same place at the same time. I don't remember exactly what, the last time this happened. We might be going all the way back to like around Halloween when we did Dawn of the Dead. Uh, all right, guys, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this, I'm out. It's been a while since we're all here, but uh, we're all here for a good reason. And this was a, a, a random pull as far as like we all nominated a movie for Cult Corner and we, we spun the wheel and we landed on Goodfellas. Now, I forget who nominated this. I did. Oh, well, I should, why did I even ask that? <laughs> why did I even ask? I should have known. If it's if it's a nomination process, Donnie's going to win it. That's ridiculous. More often than not. No, it's not. It's math. Hold on. It might be science. It might be witchcraft, actually. It might be witchcraft. <laughs> but either way, yeah. yeah, so we're here to talk about Goodfellas. If I remember correctly, all four of us nominated like four awesome movies, so... We, we were going to win either way, and this, and this is yet another example of it here. Oh. Uh, hopefully, you have seen Goodfellas before. My God, if you haven't, what the hell? Go ahead and hit pause and come back. But that's probably a good enough, uh, a good spot to remind you that we are a spoiler-filled podcast. So if for some reason you have not watched Goodfellas, pause, go find it, track down a copy, go buy it. <laughs> Watch it, then come back and listen to us, uh, you know, kind of give our spoiler reviews and our thoughts and background information, everything that we do here every week. So um, before we dive into it, I'll go ahead and throw out some usual information. We want to encourage you to visit aaspookshow.com. That's the center of the Spook Show universe. That's where you can go to our Patreon, also patreon.com slash aaspookshow to get exclusive content over there, like our, our video minisodes every month, Crapster Peace Theater. Look, if you go vote for those things, you owe us. You owe us to go join our Patreon and listen to those things because Jesus. Go to, uh, also there on aaspookshow.com. You can go to our YouTube channel, which has uh, uh, Grindhouse Gutter, Spook Show Rewind, Hammer Horror in Order. That, that can be found every month over there on our YouTube channel. And of course, all of our, our past archive po- uh, podcast episodes can all be found there on aaspookshow.com. So we encourage you to go check that out. And of course, if you want to email us with any thoughts or comments or anything, you can do that at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. So without any further buildup, we'll go ahead and toss the trailer for Goodfellas. Never ride on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I do. By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. For most of the guys, killing's got to be accepted. Hey, Henry, here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg or the wing? For us to live any other way was nuts. <laughs> and we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's gonna be a good summer. <laughs> It was a glorious time. In a world that's powered by violence, on the streets where the violent have power, a new 
generation carries on an old tradition. All right, so there's the trailer for Goodfellas. So uh, I, I guess we'll go ahead and start with some of the... Well, I guess we'll go ahead and get this out of the way. We've all seen this movie, right? Probably 100 times apiece. Mm-hmm. And no, oh, yeah. one, no one's coming in here like, this is the first <laughs> time I've ever seen Goodfellas, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, why, that's why it nominated but, it. Yeah, because it's fresh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fresh meat. Um, but we'll go ahead and dive into some of the background information. Um, the only other interesting title that I could find other than, you know, just some uh, random foreign translation of it was the working title was Wise Guy. And that's also the title of the book that the movie is based on. Um, it's called, which is called wise guy by Nicholas Pileggi. And that was a book about Henry Hill and his life in the mafia throughout the, what the fifties, all the way up till when he got busted in 1980. And that's what the, um, that's basically the time frame of the movie as well. Uh, unfortunately the real life Henry Hill passed away on June 12th, 2012. So that's been 11 years, uh, almost 11 years ago since he passed away, which doesn't seem like it was that long ago. If any of you guys have ever yeah, listened Sixty-nine. Yeah, yeah. But if if anybody, if any of you guys have ever listened to the Howard Stern show at some point, he used to be like a regular guy that would call every once in a while. And like I remember hearing him once, and I'm like, Henry Hill, that sounds familiar. And then I, I made the connection, like, holy shit, that's the guy from, that's the guy from Goodfellas. But yeah, like he was kind of a he was kind of a weird dude. I'll mm-hmm. say that. But he used to call in. But yeah, he, he passed away almost eleven years ago. Um, but the movie premiered. September 9th, 1990, at the Venice Film Festival, um, and then released wide here in the United States, September 21st of 1990, by Warner Brothers Pictures. Rated R, of course. It, you just watch the first two minutes of this film, and you realize why it's rated rated R. Total runtime of two hours and 25 minutes. On IMDb, it's listed as a biography, slash crime, slash drama. Uh, it was filmed in the New York City, New York area, New Jersey some scenes in Tampa, Florida, uh, some in Chicago, from May 3rd to August 9th of 1989 for a budget of $25 million. Uh, but it uh, uh, it went on to a worldwide gross of $47.1 million, which is pretty good. But for what this movie is, kind of historically, really, that that's, that's not really, you know, big box office numbers. You know, you would think it would have been higher than that. But um, regardless, it's going on to be... I mean, I, I think we're we're treading a fine line between cult classic here and like just bona fide classic on this one, right? Like we've done this a couple of times with our cult corner series, but uh, th- this is kind of both in a way, like because it wasn't it was successful, but it wasn't a massively successful movie. It was nominated for Oscars, only won one, and we'll dive into that here in a second. But there are certain elements of it that I think lend itself to be a cult movie, but then others are just like, yeah, no, this is just a bona fide legit piece of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, uh, actually the uh, Library of Congress uh, put it into the uh, National Film Registry. Uh, I think it was in 2000. Yeah, and we've had a few of those movies that have been mentioned, like mm-hmm. that, but not, not a lot, you know. So, yeah, this is rare air for us to get a hold of a movie like that. I've got the box office from the opening weekend of September 21st through the 23rd, 1990. So, I'll roll through the top 10 real quick. Hardware, I've never even heard of that. That's number 10. Number oh. nine. Wait, oh, I'm sorry, what? hardware. Before you go on any further from there, hardware. At this one, I'm thinking of it's like it's a cult film from you know, it's a sci-fi flick or whatever from the UK director. It's strange that it's in there at that time, but something that we could definitely get to on the show. In fact, <laughs> this is weird synchronicity, not to go off on a tangent, but I was telling my wife recently that I need to pick nominate that movie for a cult corner or the regular horror thing. So just weird that it would pop up yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, never fails. Anyway. Never fails. Uh, number nine, Dark Man. It was in its fifth week. Uh, that's another one that probably a cult classic, right? Um, yeah, uh, Sam Raimi. Number eight, Presumed Innocent. Number seven, Flatliners. Number six, Death Warrant. Number five, Funny About Love. It was in its opening week. Number four, also in its opening week, Narrow Margin. Number three, Ghost. It was in its eleventh week at the time. It had raked up too. At that moment, it had uh, 148.3 million dollars. Ghosted. Number two, postcards from the edge, and number one, Goodfellas, with 6.3 million dollars in its opening weekend. So, not too bad. I mean, it, there was some. There was some other movies that were, you know, doing pretty well at the time. Out like, like I said, Ghost, 
couple others, but uh, a little bit further down the list. But yeah, clearly you're at the uh, you're in that time of year, September 21st, where it's like you know the summer is well past. You're you're in the fall. You're you're inching towards those horror movies, you know, Halloween time and everything. Um, so that's kind of where it plays. Young Guns Two was playing, still playing in the theaters at the at this time as well. So it was nominated for a number of Oscars, but it only won one. Um, Joe Pesci won for Best Supporting Actor at the 1991 Oscars. It was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress for Lorraine Bracco, uh, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and almost all of those that I just mentioned, it lost to Dances with Wolves. Mm. Not every single one of those, but Dances with Wolves was like the big winner that year. Um, Which is interesting, too, because you think about like, I'll, I'll point this out before I go back. This movie was ranked number 92 in the American Film Institute's top 100 movies of all time. And like Donnie Dang. said a minute ago, it was preserved in the National Film Registry in the Library of Congress. So you you factor those things out. Meanwhile, I don't, I'm not sure of it. I didn't look deep. I don't think Dances with Wolves is considered the same way as this one. And that's a great movie. That's a great movie. I'm not, I'm not, you know, crapping on that one. But uh, I think it's funny how sometimes history is interesting to look back on where you, where you look at this as like legitimately one of the best movies ever made. Goodfellas and dances with wolves is not a, it's not a crappy movie. It's just, it's not held in that same regard. What, what, what do you think? I think also it's, it's kind of goes to show you timeliness of certain things. Like when dances with wolves hit, I guess it was at the right time for it to win all those awards to be in the top of everything. And then not say not, not, not that it's a bad movie, like you said at all, but, but longevity wise, I think when you think of that type of thing, I think, for me, anyways, I'm speaking of Goodfellas, kind of, you know, definitely edges that out. And not to say that I don't like Dances with the Wolves, I do, but I think Goodfellas is a much better movie. It's a totally different movie, but I think overall, I think it's a better movie. What do you think, Will? Yeah, I mean, you know, it deals with something that, that people get obsessed about, you know, with with the mafia. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, tends to stick around. You know, Dances with Wolves dealt with a. Uh, what with a guy that moved out west and like lived among Indians? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's been a while since it, I watched, it was, but I remember that was the general premise. Yeah, like he was a soldier that moved out to be to kind of like he 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 had like a really far out west outpost kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then he he went native, so to speak. <laughs> he kind of became part of the Indian <laughs> tribe. Yeah, I mean, again, good movie, but that's not something that you know is part of the American. I think as far as that's concerned, I think it's very American. It's an, but I think to what smoke said, it has, it has a different, both of them have a different type of timeless quality to them, you know? Yeah. But I guess I was more getting along the lines of, you know, it's the, the whole, the model mafia aspect of it, of, of Goodfellas is still part of the American culture, I guess, where, you know, sitting there and then dealing with Indians and, and wolves and whatnot, you know, doesn't, really connect with what's going on today. Some of the, some of it too, like if you're just completely comparing those type, those two movies, Dances with Wolves was kind of a one man band with Kevin Costner. Right? He directed it. Yeah. He starred in it. Yeah. And, uh, it was great for what it was, no doubt. But Goodfellas was, uh, has Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta, Paul Sorvino, and it's directed by Martin Scorsese. You know, this is like an all-star who's who, you know, <laughs> in film history in a lot of ways. So I think in that regard as well, like it, it kind of takes a different type of place in movie history for those reasons. And like you, and speaking of the whole mafia thing too, it was Scorsese himself had pretty much gotten out of the whole gangster movie thing. And then, uh, somebody gave him a copy of that book, uh, Pelleggi's book, uh, wise guys. And apparently he, he phoned Pelleggi right away after he had finished it and said, I've been waiting for this book my whole life. And then Pelleggi, Apparently said, oh, I've been waiting for this call my entire life. <laughs> From That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So that I guess you got Pelleggi to thank for this movie and for, you know, maybe Scorsese would have got back to it at some point in time. But after that, you know, he continued on doing some other gangster movies, even after Goodfellas. So. And another twist of irony, too, is that, like, wouldn't you say the, the standard mark of, like, you know, mafia movies is The Godfather, right? This yeah, movie, yeah. this movie came out almost basically around the exact same time as The Godfather Part Three. So yeah, was, which was Sofia Coppola, right? 
Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, I believe, that directed the third Godfather movie. And Coppola was the king of the mafia movies up to that point. I, I just found it ironic that Goodfellas comes out at the exact same time as that. And, yeah. you know, I know people don't like part three as much as the first two. Obviously mm-hmm. not the first one. But, you know, still to have two of the the better mafia movies ever made released almost exactly at the same time is is, is just ironic. Parts of this movie, I, I actually watched like a uh, behind the scenes documentary because I watched this on my Blu-ray and I had a little bit of extra time. So I kind of put the, the behind the scenes stuff on and I, there was, there was some interesting stuff. It's definitely worth a watch if you're really into Goodfellas. But uh, one of the things that I found out from that was there were a lot of scenes in this movie that were improvised, but they, it, yeah. it was like improvised in rehearsals and beforehand. And then Scorsese managed to put them in the script later on. So like everything you see is scripted. They're doing things by the script, but he was kind of changing the script based on, you know, what the actors were bringing. And specifically that, you know, the famous scene that I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, at length eventually here is the, the Pesci. Do you think I'm funny? How am I funny? That scene. Yeah. That was, that was what do you mean? I'm funny. <laughs> funny. How that, that funny. scene was improvised by Joe Pesci based on something that had actually happened to him in his life. Scorsese's like, yeah, that's great. Let's put it in. And then, you know, he scripted it in and made it work. But, um, there were, it was pretty cool too. To, to, when I was watching the behind the scenes documentary about how they wrote this, like, um, yeah, it's based on the book, but like he would take something and this is just a good sign of good writing and good directing and everything. They would take yeah. something that would literally be like one sentence or two sentences from the book and turn it into a whole scene, specifically the, 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 the famous Steadicam scene yep. where they're walking into the uh the restaurant and kind of yeah. going to the back mm-hmm. way and everything that there's scene- a reason that they uh they actually they couldn't get permission to go in the short way so they had to uh kind of go around the back uh that was a, a scene that they shot uh eight times um, just to get it right yeah <laughs> which but that, uh, but that you know, scene was based on literally i think like two sentences in the book Cause in the book, he's just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we had such great connections. We could walk through the back. We didn't have to walk through the front kind of thing. It was something, something along those lines. Yeah. And then he turned that, those, that one or two sentences into like one of the, the, the best scenes of the movie. It's, once again, yeah. it shows you how good Scorsese and the rest of them were on this one. Yeah. You talk about, uh, you know, most of the scenes being improvised. Uh, uh, there was the script actually called for, well, I mean, the, the word fuck and its uh, derivatives are actually used uh, over 300 times. Uh, it's like 320 times. Um, Joe Pesci says about half of them, uh, but the script actually called for uh, only 70 of them. But, um, uh, but the, yeah, like you, like you mentioned, they, they improvised it. Um, and actually at the time of uh the release of uh, Goodfellas, it had the most profanity of any movie uh, that was that was released in history at that time. But as of 2022, uh, it's number 14. Wow. And uh, Scorsese's other uh, two movies on on the list, uh, number seven was uh, Casino, and number three was The Wolf of Wall Street. Two, two also great movies yeah, so uh, that we may we may get to. Who knows? Sure, we will eventually. But uh, yeah. one, once again, it leads to the point. Scorsese doesn't do shitty movies. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he might have one that's he might have one that's meh every now and then. But for the most part, the dude just shits out gold, right? <laughs> uh, I found this kind of uh, interesting. Uh, Tobin Bell, uh, yep. famous for playing uh, Jigsaw, uh, had a second of screen time as uh, Jimmy Conway's parole officer. Yep, that's true. Yep, I didn't notice that. So there's, yeah, it's, Donnie, uh, there's your connection to it. Well, we haven't done any Saw movies. Right? No, we haven't done any Saw movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Damn. No, yeah, no. Well, you just yeah, we <laughs> talked about them. Put that one in your back. That pocket. doesn't count. Just put it in your back pocket. Yeah, yeah, I had, then, I had uh, that written down. Yeah. <laughs> and then other people that were considered for uh, Henry Hill, Tom Cruise, Nicholas Cage, Sean Penn, Alec Baldwin, and John Travolta. Dude, that that would have. I mean, after seeing after. I mean, we've seen uh, Travolta as Gotti. Can you? Oh God, this would have <laughs> dramatically changed the dynamic. Now, I do think all of them. I don't know. All of them in their own ways would have been fine, right? I think I it was know. probably more important to have someone that wasn't a known commodity at the time. Because yeah. let's face it, Leota was not a household name. 
at you know when they made this movie. He was not. No. All the rest no, of those guys. Just... All the rest of those guys had had some level of. Yeah, some level. Already, yeah, yeah, already. Yeah. So Nicholas Cage would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially the cocaine. You know, the back half of the movie, that part, like, that would have been, like, gold. <laughs> Tom Cruise, no. No. No, that would I mean, no, that I can't. He's a fine actor, but that wouldn't have fit, you know, for this. I don't think. I think they got the right guy. I mean, casting, period. Oh, yeah. Period. All the casting. They just got the perfect people, I think, you know? Yep. I mean, obviously, you know De Niro's great. You know Pesci's great. Um Paul Sorvino is good, you know. So I mean, you, you know the, what these guys can bring, but just the combination and even like the small roles, you know, like everything. everything yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> even though it's a very small part, but still, yeah. you know, that's that's another, you know. And he wasn't a big, you know, he was really nothing at that point. It was just another dude. Yeah. At that point, but yeah, just of the main cast, though, you know, like, mm. and we don't really need to take a deep dive into them. I don't think. I think everybody knows the careers of Robert De Niro. Joe Pesci. Unfortunately, Ray Liotta is no longer with us. He just passed away like last year, right? Last year. Yeah, yeah. just in the past year. Um, and Paul Sorvino, is he, has he passed? He, he passed last year as okay. well. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, we've lost two of the main ones there. But And uh, it's funny too, when you, I, I'm sure everybody watched The, the Sopranos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Connections. So many. <laughs> it's like it's like when they were casting the Sopranos. Quite a lot, yeah. Casting Spider. the Sopranos, what, like 10 to 12 years later, whenever that started. Uh, it's like they just said, all right, let's just go watch Goodfellas and pull everybody, not De Niro, <laughs> Pesci, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's tons of them. Tons Roll of them. Roll call. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, have a, I have one, uh, when you were talking about other things, correction to make on what I said about uh, Godfather 3 that came out the same year. That I said Sophia Coppola directed it, but <laughs> she starred in it as one of the actresses. Francis Ford Coppola did direct it as as he did the other two movies, but there was some controversy over her acting ability in the movie, and I think that's why her name popped in my head. (laughs) I did see her name too. There was like uh, when I was looking through the 1991 Oscars, you know, like what you know what it basically what Goodfellas lost against. One of them, and Goodfellas was Goodfellas wasn't nominated for this, but one was like best original song or something, and oh yeah, one of them was uh, Sofia Coppola had done a song for Godfather Three that was actually nominated for an oscar okay yeah that is another thing of it too she did go on to become a director in her own right i guess but yeah but there was some controversy at the time over her i guess acting and yeah and uh godfather three or whatever i gotta say that of of all the mobster names that you know they use in the in the movie johnny roast beef is is my favorite (laughs) (laughs) there's some really Uh, two times is pretty good yeah 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 yeah. that one that was a little on the nose though we call him jimmy two times because he says everything two times I'm going to go get the papers. Get the papers. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I love That's that. Awesome. I love that scene, though. You know, and we'll get into it in a second. That yeah. scene where it's because it's just so casual, but it just it's perfectly done. You know, it's like, yeah, you just kind of that that first person who's walking around and meeting everybody. This is Jimmy two times. This yeah. is this, you know, like and they all they all kind of acknowledge him like, hey, how's it going? You know, <laughs> It's like it's like point of view where they're acknowledging whoever is walking around the camera, but it's like point of view shots of them saying, "Hey, what's you know?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, speaking of uh, Sopranos, twenty-seven actors. Yeah, Dang. that doesn't shock me. You mean like compared to like twenty-seven from this movie? Yep. To some point, of the, yeah, that they share twenty-seven me. actors. That didn't surprise me at all because like I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, "Hey, there's that guy, and it's that guy, and that guy, and that guy." <laughs> Even Lorraine Bracco, right? She was, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm blanking on what her name is in this movie. Uh, Henry's wife, Karen, Karen, Karen. Yeah. She, uh, plays, uh, uh, Tony Soprano's psychiatrist. (laughs) Oh, and, um, Tommy's mom in Goodfellas is actually Scorsese's mom. (laughs) Yeah. That's his real mom. She did a great, she did a great job of just being a mom. (laughs) 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 It might be a little on the nose, but it's, I mean, she really did play, you know, like she's believable for sure. Especially knowing that, She's not an actor, right? I don't think she was, was she? No, yeah, yeah. no. She, I mean, I mean, she she'd done a few things, but it's not. Yeah, you know. yeah. Mr. Projectionist, stop the show. Here's great news you ought to know. We've just got a shipment of taste thrill treats, all tip top quality and delicious eats. There are hot dogs and popcorn and candy galore. There's soft drinks and coffee and a whole lot more. So direct your steps to our refreshment stand to enjoy the finest snacks in all the land. 
For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to ch- give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I hopped on over to Audible and I just typed in Goodfellas to see what would pop up. And sure enough, right away, right off the top, Wise Guy by Nicholas Pleggy uh, actually has an introduction by Martin Scorsese. That one is uh, 8 hours and 15 minutes over on Audible, so we highly encourage that one. Then also we've got Made Men, The Story of Goodfellas by Glenn Kenny. This actually looks like a behind-the-scenes kind of look at the movie itself, just based on the cover here is what it looks like. Uh, that one is 11 hours and 42 minutes. And uh, just another interesting one that's kind of connected, De Niro, A Life by Sean Levy. That one's uh, over 21 and a half hours long. I guess it's just a biography on Robert De Niro. So if any of that floats your boat, and I'm sure if uh, you're a big fan of Goodfellas like us, it would. You can go over to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. Um, I do have to, a correction to make. I, I, had, I had mentioned that uh, Catherine Scorsese uh, was not an uh, actress. She actually was uh, dating back to some titles. Uh, she, uh, she has uh, 17, I think it's 18 uh, IMDb credits um, dating back to 1964. So she was an you know, Italian actress in her own right. But by no means anything like, you know, not like a top billing type of actress. She just had a number of parts. No, uh, yeah. Correct. All right. So uh, here's, how... here's here's something a little random. Um, there's an unofficial sequel to this. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I haven't seen this movie in so many years. I think I think Rick Moranis. Uh, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. The wild and crazy guy. The jerk. Steve Martin. Oh, Steve, Steve Martin. Steve Martin. A movie called My Blue Heaven. That's, oh yeah, that's an unofficial sequel to this. Because it's still it's dealing with Henry Hill. Huh. Okay. Well, damn. Dude, I mean, I've seen that movie, and it's been forever since. Yeah. I've never put those pieces together because it's been so long. Yeah. Huh. I'm about to go next on the cult corner. Uh, My Blue Heaven. <clears throat> um. So I'm going to hop on over to IMDb. And I'm going to click on plot summaries, and of course, this being a big movie, we've got a few. So I'm not going to read them all, but uh, I'll read a few here. We've got. The brief one, the story of Henry Hill and his life in the mob, covering his relationship with his wife, Karen Hill, and his mob partners, Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito in the Italian-American Crime Syndicate. Uh, this one was submitted by Colin Tinto on IMDb. Henry Hill might be a small-time gangster who may have taken part in a robbery with Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito, two other gangsters who might have set their sights a bit higher. What are they? Are they? Is this guy afraid he's going to get like popped by the mob, the way he's phrasing this? Uh <laughs> His two partners could kill off everyone else involved in the robbery and slowly start to think about climbing up through the hierarchy of the mob. Henry, however, might be badly affected by his partner's success. But will he consider stooping low enough to bring about the downfall of Jimmy and Tommy? I don't know. Just the way that whole thing was phrased, like, that doesn't sound like a movie I'd want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that turns me away from the film. And, I, and I've seen it and loved it. Uh, we'll go with this one last one here. This was uh, submitted by Dustin B., the lowly blue-collar side of New York's Italian mafia is explored in this crime biopic of wise guy Henry Hill as he makes his way from strapping young petty criminal to big-time thief to middle-aged cocaine addict and dealer. The film explores in detail the rules and traditions of organized crime. Watching the rise and fall of Hill and his two counterparts, the slick jack-of-all-trades criminal Jimmy Conway and the brutish, intimidating Tommy DeVito, this true story realistically explores the core, blue-collar part of the mob. That that brought to mind one thing that I remember seeing in that behind-the-scenes documentary. They said that uh, they nailed, I think it was Henry Hill, said he nailed the part of Tommy DeVito as far as the attitude and, like, this dude was very intimidating and everything. But yeah. the one thing they didn't nail was the size. Apparently, like, the real-life Tommy DeVito was a huge dude. And then they, <laughs> got, they got tiny, short Joe Pesci to play the part. Meanwhile, the, the real guy was like 20 years old during all this, and Pesci was in his 40s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, also, um, uh, De Niro was offered the role of either Jimmy or Tommy, and obviously he went with Jimmy. I think he would have played either role, you know. Either one. Either one it would have been fine, but I think they got, uh, it. I think they got it right with Pesci definitely. doing this, because Pe- Pesci really uh, added a, a sense of, like, he's he's a guy that you can laugh at, you know, like, oh, the, he's so brutish and, you know, he, it's funny, right? It, there's aspects of it. That, funny how? Yeah, I don't know. How is he funny? <laughs> Sorry, there are aspects of it that are funny, but then, like, 
he can he can turn it like that. You know what I mean? Just like in that scene, oh, yeah. like you said, like he really yeah. can. I mean, he has that range to where like he can be like, oh yeah, it's it's a, he's a funny guy, and then he gets that scowl, that look in his eyes. Yeah. Like, oh shit, this dude like he's about to kill everybody. You know like, exactly. He played exactly like that. Uh, like that uh, the scene in with uh, Spider. You know, he's busting his balls, and then all of a sudden, you know, Spider says, yeah, you know what, fuck you, Tommy. Yeah, fuck you, Tommy. And then you can see that hey. look, like that that blank stare. Yeah. Like, and while everyone else is get, busting his balls, giving him shit, laughing at him, and then he just pulls out a gun and just blows the dude away. Yeah. Great scene, by the way. Yeah. Great scene. And by the way, I wouldn't want to fuck with a real-life dude like that. If there really was, no. you know, like, no. like he said, this guy... He he played it exactly like that, except he was a big, even bigger guy. Yeah, like that is not a dude you want to fuck with, you know. <laughs> not a go dude. home and get your shoe shine box. Yeah, get your shine box. <laughs> and then he did him. And him. So I think we start there though, not particularly with that scene, but what happened at the end of that scene, right at the beginning of the movie. This 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 movie grabs you by the balls, like oh, as yeah. soon as you hit Great play, hope. right? As soon as you hit play, or you sit down in the theater and watch it, this thing grabs a hold of you, right? Like. You know you're in for some shit when, like, there's clearly a body in the trunk or something going on. You know something's, you know, probably in the trunk when they stop. They pull out, open the trunk, and then he just starts stabbing and shoot. And they start, uh, Pesci shoots him, and then I think De Niro shoots, or I'm sorry, stabs him, and then De Niro shoots him, right? Yeah. And then they just close the trunk, and that's, then the the zoom in on (laughs) Leota freeze frame. You know, you know, you know what you're in for, like, right away, Goodfellas, you know. It's a perfect, yeah, that's a perfect uh, way to start. Yeah, great hook. You know, we we later find out it's Billy Bats. I mean, you know, if if, if you've never seen it, you know, and th- this was your first watch, you, re- you you later find out it's Billy Bats. Yeah. But um, yeah, great hook. Awesome opening. Yeah, I mean, it's showing you something that happens years later, but it's that cold open kind of like we're gonna grab you by the throat and you're gonna know some serious shit's about to go down in this movie. Now let's let's, I, let's go back. I, I, it was nominated for an editing for best editing Oscar. I don't know what movie won. I don't know if it's Dancing with Wolves, whatever won that. Yeah, I didn't do the. I didn't do the. I didn't do the breakdown. But Dances with Wolves beat it in almost every category it was nominated for. Not every single one, but most of them. So it might have been Dances with Wolves. This film was yeah, awesome. Awesome assembled, edited, put it you know put together by uh, yeah. the editor and uh, Scorsese and everything. They worked together on that, but um, well done. You know, put well put together, well shot too, and it wasn't nominated for like you know best cinematography or anything like that, which I was kind of surprised by that when I was going through the list. Yeah. I mean, because it is, it is well shot. Then you go through like it, it, you start off with that cold open, then you go through Henry's origins, so you've got all that. Um, yeah, you see him as a kid, how he uh, um, basically grew up idolizing, uh, you know, the mob life, the uh, just how they were able to navigate through life without. You know, any repercussions, no, nobody fuck with them. You know, it's just whatever they want. They got. Yeah. Everything. You know, or, or like a good example of that is the mailman. <laughs> like whenever the man, you know, they show the <laughs> shot of his dad beats the shit out of him because they got a letter from school saying that he's not doing his schoolwork and all that stuff. So so then what do they do? They, they you know, get a pile in the car and like Henry points out the mailman. That's him right there. And then. They drag him in and rough him up or whatever, and then then no mail goes to the house. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, not only we didn't get that, but we didn't get any mail. <laughs> My mom had to go down and complain. Um, <laughs> I, I think it does a good job of of kind of that fine balance between romanticizing this kind of lifestyle and then showing you like this ain't something you'd want to. This might seem cool. This might seem like it would be an awesome thing to be a part of. But in the end, I think it does a good job of coming back around like, no, you don't want none of this. You know, like the, it, mm. the whole film as a whole, you know, like the, the entire thing, I think it strikes a good balance. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the first half of the film definitely gives that that romanticized love story of being part of the mob, growing up, wanting to be part of it, uh, brings it in. And, and, and he even says in the film, like they felt like they were gods, like they, they didn't want to do anything else besides that. They didn't want to be president. This is exactly what they wanted to do. And then as time goes by, you know, the bad parts start to come in and, and they have to deal with that a lot more. Yeah, the, the life of paranoia, you know, just not being able to trust anyone whatsoever, not even like yeah. people that have been your friends and so-called family for all these years. And then you couldn't trust, he couldn't trust anybody in the end. 
No, yeah, you no. talk about the uh, you know the life of um, you know the mob. Uh, um, Henry Hill did a uh, part of an interview, and he said that he got paid five hundred. Oh, it was a little over five hundred thousand uh, for his role in the uh, in the production. Like consult, um, consultant, I guess. I yeah, something like that. Yeah. So he he got you know paid over five hundred thousand. He. He said it was like pocket change because he was, you know, when he was uh, in the mob, it, he was getting up to 40 grand a week. Yeah, I don't doubt that. You know, just and that's, crazy And that's money, when man. 40 grand was, like, 40 grand still a lot right now. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But back yeah. then, holy shit, 40 grand. That, what was probably the average annual salary of, of your average person in the United States back then? Probably, what, 10, 15, 20 grand? Uh, I you know, I don't know I mean, inflation and all that, but like it couldn't have been any more than say 10 or 15 grand a year for anybody back then. And then for these people to pull in like double what someone brought home in an entire year in a week, you know, like that's just, that's just crazy. And you we, see, usually what they're undoing is usually greed and ego because <laughs> yeah. it's not enough. You know, like in Henry Hill's specific thing, it was the drugs. Like when he started pulling in that angle, and doing the drugs himself, yeah. like I said, the paranoia, greed, and ego just boom, just kept going. And so he was pretty much pushing himself out from the top mobsters, like because you know was it, they didn't want to be involved with drugs at that time anyway. Yep. And then have to deal with all the, the cops and FBI and all that stuff. So. <laughs> I remember one of the uh, one of the time, uh, um, I'm sorry, one of the years was uh, 1970 uh, in the you know in the movie, um, but 19 in 1970. Forty thousand dollars would be uh, three hundred, a little over uh, three hundred thousand in today's money. Forty grand. Yeah, yeah forty grand in nineteen seventy would be uh, a little over three hundred thousand yeah. in today's money. Wow. By the way, the average salary back then uh, was uh, four thousand five hundred and fifty dollars, oh, which roughly equates to uh, uh, thirty-three thousand dollars annually. So if he's not bullshitting and like for real making like 40 grand a week, that's, that's ignorant, that's yeah. ignorant money today. And even more ignorant money back then. That's just, that's just crazy. But you know that the turn in the movie, I think where you, you kind of felt like you go from like the, the romanticized vision of like, this will be a cool thing is right about the time that he like brutally pistol whips the dude across the street. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's actually a background, um, uh, to that, um, Ray Liotta's mother died of cancer while they were filming this. Um, and Liotta said that he used his anger uh, over lo losing his mom um, during, well, several scenes, but particularly, you know, that scene where he just pistol whips the fuck out of that guy. <laughs> and it's like, it really comes through. And Smoke, I know we don't do a gore score on this, on this, you know, on Colt Corner, but like, this one for certain scenes like the pistol whip scene would probably bump it up a notch, right? Well, yeah, the pistol whip scene and then specifically to those gunshot scenes of like, uh, who was uh, Stax when he just goes behind Stax with a silencer? Yeah. Joe yeah. Pesci's just, Psh! the whole bed is just covered with blood splatter. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's other gunshot scenes like that too. And, uh, and brutal beatings like bats, you know, Billy Bats in the bar when they're stomping yeah. his head and yeah, stuff and into the floor. And stabbing him in the trunk. Yeah, and the trunk after the fact. And yeah. that was brutal just because they don't really cut all these things, really, like the pistol whip and the the, the stabbing, uh, the brutality. There's not, I mean, there's plenty of brutality in the movie, but it's not nonstop brutality. But when they do it, they stick with it. They make you watch this. You know, like you're watching this dude just stab him four or five times with a big ass mm -hmm. knife, and you're watching him pistol whip. And like, they don't cut. He grabs a hold of him and just bam, bam, bam. You know, just pistol whips, like you said, the fuck out of yeah. that guy. It's like, almost first person. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean it's God. It, I mean, it. It's not prolonged brutality, but when it's there, boy, it's it's it it's slaps you across. Like the you're, throat. yeah. We've like, we've talked about this before on other episodes regarding this time period specifically, 1990 and the early 90s. When it came to horror movies, you didn't see a lot of gore. It was cut out, and it's mainly because they had this sort of war, the MPAA and parents, this war on slasher movies. That uh, they weren't letting a lot of stuff through, but movies like this, like Scorsese, was able to get three times as much violence <laughs> in their movies than horror movies were, just because it's not a horror movie; it's 
it's telling the sto- drama story, so I guess the MPAA were kinder. And also because it's, uh, you know, Scorsese. I mean, the name, <laughs> I think yeah. there's got away with a lot more than your average, you know, other violent type movies were at the time. Yeah, it is crazy when you put it in that context that, like, there is absolutely more brutality in this movie than of some horror movies of the similar. Like, I, I know yeah. it's uh, not the exact same time frame, but say, for instance, when we talked about Dr. Giggles. Right. Oh yeah. Back in October, there's far more brutality in this than there was in Doctor Giggles, <laughs> at least on screen. Right. Yeah. And that's the first and, and last time you'll ever hear any Friday the Thirteenth movie that came out in the late '80s, to early '90s. Same thing. Uh, and you could probably there's probably more brutality in this movie alone than Part Seven, Eight. Yeah, Part at least Part Friday Thirteenth, Part Seven and Eight, which were the tail end of the '80s and beginning of the '90s. Yeah, you know, and that that is actually a you know it's it's an interesting comparison because with you know gangster movies or like mob movies, you you almost come to expect it, just like you do with horror movies. Um, but I mean, that, it just I, seems I, I, that I will add that now you do. Before Goodfellas, I don't know if you expected this, right? I don't think Godfather movies were quite this brutal, were they? It was. They, yeah, not as brutal, but like I said, it was, it was kind of prolonged over certain points in the movie that would have it. But yeah, as you get to Martin Scorsese's stuff, it, you expected it more so at that point. But I think Godfather and those movies sort of were the precursors of what Scorsese did a little bit, you know, a few years later. He just added on the brutality more so. Speaking of brutality, when they had to, when they killed Billy Bats, right, and the dude in the trunk. And then uh, the heat the heat gets turned up, so they got to go back out and dig them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to yeah, build apartments. They were going to build apartments on that land at some point in the near future, so they had to go dig them up. And then they're fucking with Liotta because Ray Liotta's getting sick, and he's like, "What are you they saying? Want, you want some pepper? Oh, here's, here's an leg. What do you want? You want a wing? You like wings? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you have a heart lungs kind of guy? It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to my mom. She's going to cook some peppers and sausages." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then that, you know, I guess we can go back to that. We're alluding to earlier about when they were at his mom's house, which is really Martin Scorsese's mom, but, you know, playing uh, Joe Pesci's mom in the movie. And when they're, uh, you know, meanwhile, Billy Bats is in the trunk, still alive. They don't even know he's still alive. And uh, they're in there talking, you know, just eating because mom, you know, mom made dinner for him, right? So they're eating. And then, uh, oh, and then he gets the knife there, right? If I borrow this knife, mom, I'll bring it back. <laughs> Whatever he said he was do with it, I forget now. But he just the so, butcher knife, the court uses so later bru- to stab shit out of like He's just so nonchalantly brutal about everything. Like, even just the knife thing. Like, yeah. yeah, I might need this later. You know, we, what do you say? We got a deer <laughs> yeah, stuck we, in the, in the, uh, we hit a deer. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that was a deer. <laughs> and then the, then the painting. Like, dog, hey, I think it's our like, friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The two dogs are sitting there. He goes, "Hey, this one dog's going one way and one's the other." And they go, look at this guy here. He's got like the white hair. Remind you of somebody? And they're like laughing. Oh yeah, he's got to get the beard on the ball. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> Inside joke there. Meanwhile, there's a half dead dude like in the trunk of their car. Just <laughs> he's already banging on it out there in the in the yard, kind of banging. That's somewhat somewhat conscious, I guess. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Tommy shooting spider in the foot, and then. Yeah. Just, just randomly, he's like, dance, motherfucker, and then just shoots him in the foot for no real reason <laughs> at all. And then when Tommy comes, or a uh, spider comes back, and he tells Tommy to go fuck off, and then Tommy just stone cold kills his ass. He made the mistake of not bringing Tommy his drink, apparently, when Tommy, probably nine times out of ten, they didn't show that scene, but he probably didn't even ask for the drink or whatever. He probably said, hey, where's my drink, spider? Or, you know, and yeah, he's like, yeah. I thought you said you <laughs> you were good. Now I'm not say I'm good. <laughs> There were a couple of times throughout the movie when, uh, what Jimmy, well, Jimmy went to prison, but they didn't really show him. Didn't they say like, yeah, he spent some time in Atlanta or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, but Henry, Henry went to prison and he just happens to go to prison at the same time that, uh, uh, Paulie was in prison. So like they should, the the whole thing where they show how they lived in prison. I I know for a fact that there is some reality to that. Just, I went to this, uh, like gangster, it's like an American crime slash gangster museum. Yeah, yeah, it was on. Um, you did it for uh, was it Library of the yeah. Professor yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah, we did a segment over yeah. on Patreon for it. And uh, but there was one one in there. I want to. I don't remember who it was. Name a, name a couple famous gangsters. 
Uh, Capone, maybe was, uh, maybe, Lucky, Lucky Lucchese. Maybe it was Capone. They they had like a recreation of his jail cell at one of these places where he stayed. Yeah, like he had okay. a he had a nice setup. I'll say that. You know, it was yeah. similar to this. Like, yeah, they're not they're not just in regular bars like everybody else. They had like, you know, behind bars. They had like their own room where they're all bunking together and they could cook dinner and everything in this movie. Um, so that was interesting. But I know you know there was some realism there for sure ah well i meant to say lucky luciano i say lucky lucchese either way he played for the white Sox back in the 30s yeah you know know, i do want to say something about that um um that whole you know that when uh paulie was cooking the steak that steak wasn't even fucking seasoned man (laughs) they just threw it in there raw i'm just like oh they may have put salt and pepper on it, but you, you got to have just seasoning. Just the small man. details, just, though, how they show them just like slicing a piece of garlic with a razor. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that was cool. <laughs> it's just taking yeah. the time to slow down and show all these minor, small intricacies, details, yeah. That, you know, of this. It was just well done. Um, yeah, but that's, that, that steak was an atrocity. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe the, uh, the sauce and everything else that they made to go along with it uh, bumped it up, but who knows? Um, prison steak. What, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, they, they were getting lobsters and shit, <laughs> but it also showed uh, how Henry was starting to dabble in, you know, selling drugs and cocaine and everything while he was in jail. Yeah. So that was yeah. kind of the beginning of that. Um, the Lufthansa heist, like that was a real thing, right? Like this, I, obviously yep. I know this is all based on true stories, but like that really happened. And it was like one of the, one of, if not the biggest heist of all time, at least at the time, right? At the time. Yeah. Yeah. Took like almost, Certainly in America. Yeah, almost $6 million or something like that. But see, that, that right there is what started the downward spiral of the movie, really. Right yep. there. Because then it started sowing distrust between all the ones that were involved. And Jimmy, who was, you know, De Niro's character, who was kind of in charge of all of this when it happened, he was basically the guy that, you know, did it. Um, he started slowly taking everybody out one by one. After he got mad at them for various reasons, like, like buying stuff, they yeah. he told them not to buy stuff. Yeah, and then uh, that dude buys a Cadillac. Yeah, Johnny <laughs> Roast Beef. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny Roast Beef. I had to say his name yeah. again. <laughs> Zip, Zippo's meat treat. He uh, he bought he buys a Cadillac. Another dude walks in. He's got he's he's bought oh. his wife a mink coat. Oh, Frankie Carbone. Yeah, yeah. He he was another one, you know, so one by one after that, they all started, yep. but that scene, that's one of the more, I mean, there's a lot of memorable scenes in this movie, but that scene is one of the more memorable that I was stuck in my head years later was when they play Layla, you know, the, the outro mm-hmm. to Layla and you see them dead in the Cadillac. You see him hanging dead in the, uh, the, the meat freezer, that meat trailer yeah, the meat freezer. Uh, yeah. and a couple others, you know, how they started taking them out one by one, like. But that scene right there with Layla, you know, I, I call it the Layla Cadillac scene. That's that's one of those just timeless, memorable, like, holy shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, again, Stax is actually the first to get whacked after uh, the, the yeah, heist. Because what they say, he, he was supposed to, like, get rid of the truck, and he didn't? Yeah, he so. he was supposed to get rid of the truck, and then, uh, was it, he shacked up with a lady friend and just left it there, yeah, and yeah. then he, he got that's, whacked. So that's why he got took out. Yeah, and I think in the end, basically, no one got a dime of that money outside of Jimmy, right? Or other than Paulie getting his cut. I yeah. think that's the way they yeah. framed it. it. Was like, yeah, he got his tribute, but Jimmy was the only one that walked away with any of that money. Yeah, and um, Mari wouldn't leave him alone about the about getting his money. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> he yep. got an ice pick to the back of the head. Yeah, that was yeah, that another brief too, where they're like messing. I forget was that was that Carbone, uh, the one that always kind of has like a. Sort of, you know, he's not he's not the brightest when it comes to ah, certain yeah. things. Like, he, like he's in the car with uh, yeah, Mario. He's then, driving. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, we're going to cut him up. And then he gets out the car and like he's going to cut him up right there in the parking lot. He goes, no, not here, you fucking idiot. We're gonna yeah. <laughs> get back yeah. in the it's car. funny. And then the snack thing with the coffee when he yeah, was grabbing was the coffee the, yeah. Like they were going to take the coffee. <laughs> 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 yeah. Coffee down. They're going to take the coffee to go and he's walking out with it. What the fuck? I was kidding. Put that down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Like there's subtle comedy. Like, I mean, it's probably not even that subtle, but, uh, you don't expect it, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, that, it shows up like that. It just kind of like light. I mean, it doesn't really lighten the scene. The scene's still dark as fuck with some of these things, but it just adds 
a little something to it. Now, and that too makes me think that that's what directors like Tarantino would pick up on when use that type of stuff when they would do their movies that offbeat humor and various scenes that are serious mm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And really what adds a, a huge layer to this movie is that it doesn't really have a score, but the soundtrack that like Scorsese laid out for this, it's solid gold, man. Like almost all the cuts, you know, of cuts that he, you know, of music that he chose for this are placed perfectly, you know, edited perfectly into it. It's just a great soundtrack. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I love how they have all the music, especially with the 60s, scenes from the 60s and 50s of the crooners, you know, from that era, which were themselves connected a little bit to the mafia, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, <laughs> like I'd, say, I'd say supposedly connected a lot. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case anybody's still alive out there, we don't want to, we don't want anybody coming down on us. <laughs> of course, we know this is a work of fiction, right? <laughs> um, but one of the, one of the, I think one of the more sad moments of the movie is when they, they whack Tommy. They, they yeah. proposed it like they were about to make him and then he walks yeah. in the room and then, then he said, Oh fuck. I don't even think he gets out. Fuck. Right before they. Yeah. As soon as he walked in that room, he knew what was about to happen before it happened. Yeah. Yeah. He just walks into some empty nondescript room. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that sucked. That yeah. Sucked, you know? Yeah. That was a uh, revenge yeah, he, for Billy Bats because Billy Bats was a was made guy him. for the Gambino family. Yeah. And, and they laid it out like the, the one rule was a made guy could do anything he wanted, but you couldn't touch a made guy. Yep. And that's what he, that's, that was the major fuck up of Tommy right there. Now, granted, you look at it two ways. Tommy was a horrible human being, but in the context of this movie, you're like, oh man, you know, <laughs> you didn't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you know, in real life, yeah, he was a piece of shit. So yeah, he, he probably deserved it. But yeah, yeah. Um, then you come down to the paranoia. That last 20 minutes or so of this movie where Henry's, he's clearly coked out of his brain, but they, they, they edit and shoot it in such a way where it's like, He's laying out everything, even the smallest things. I got to go back and I got to stir the sauce. And then I got to go cut this shit up. I got to get this. Then I got to go deliver this bag and I got to do this. And meanwhile, he's he's snorting Coke the whole time. And he's paranoid because there's a helicopter following him and everything. Just the whole, the whole, uh, chaos and, and panic and paranoia. I mean, it almost makes you anxious. You know, like I got to go drink or take some drugs or something. I'm getting all wired out just watching this happen. But I, once again, I testament to the editing and everything in the movie Damn, it should have taken a fucking Oscar for editing that year. <laughs> yeah. Once again, I can't remember whether it was Dances with Wolves that beat it, but... Uh, it was. I checked. There you go. Yeah. I, I, when I looked at it, I think Dances with Wolves had beat it out for pretty much everything it was nominated for. So I was kind of like... That's why when I brought it up earlier, I was like, wow, you know, like, that was a great movie, but damn it, this thing is like... This movie is perfect. Yeah. timeless, you know, like... Oh, and I mean, just, just talking about that, the editing thing of, like... Yeah, I'm sure Dances with the Wolves was edited fine, but it wasn't. It's like the editing in Goodfellas is a whole other character of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of what makes it what it is. For you know, besides the script, the actors, and all that stuff. And that's but, how. Yeah. And 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 in the end, that's how the movie ends. Is uh, Henry turns rat right? He yep. he he, uh, he, rats. he rats them all out, and then they put them in the witness protection program, and and that's how it ends. Is him hiding somewhere in like fucking New Mexico or somewhere wherever the hell he's at, and yep. he kind of smiles at the camera and. Then he says something that's what it's like being a wise guy or a good fellows or whatever the fuck he says. And yeah, he's like, uh, no, I just live out the rest of my days like a schmuck, yeah. <laughs> like a regular schmuck. That's and he, I guess, I guess in a lot of ways he pretty much did. I mean, um, I found it funny that like, you know, years later he did, he was kind of out with it like that, you know, like I, I don't know exactly the whole history of when he came out of witness protection and everything like that. But in his later mm. years, like, He's just living his life as Henry Hill. I mean, I think I'd be paranoid that I was going to be, you know, yeah, still killed, somebody's, killed you know, to the bitter end, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, what are you going to do? I talk shows back then. I mean, well, you know, years after Goodfellas, but talk shows he came out on. And like you said, on Howard yeah, Stern. Yeah, he would come on Stern all the time. So, like, it's not like, uh, you know, he, exa- he was exactly hiding or anything, but, yeah, uh, he lived an interesting life. I'll give him that. He, he took it for all it was worth in the end, I guess. Um, so yeah, there we go. That's uh, that's good, fellas. What what a great classic uh, from uh, Martin Scorsese. Just a, just you know, like I said, it's one of the top one hundred movies of all time, and it's definitely in my top. You know, I don't I don't know top fifty for sure. Maybe even top twenty five. Mo- my favorite movies of all time. I'd have to say, me personally. So 
Yeah, I'd I guess, probably say top twenty-five of mine. Yeah, I guess with that, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and get the uh, uh, the rating started because there's not really much more to say for me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a five. This, it's it's. I I don't care how many times I watch it. I still love it. It, it you know it's entertaining as hell. It's so well done. Yeah. What more can you say? So, uh, Will, what do you say? Oh yeah, five. I mean, what what the, the fact that this is this movie is what thirty. No. Years old? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, I'm getting old. Yeah. yeah Thirty right. years old, <laughs> and you can still sit there and watch, and it doesn't feel timed. It feels, it feels nope. perfect. It's great. Yeah. Donnie, what do you say? I can't go any lower than y'all y'all have. Um, I'm gonna give it a five as well. I um, mean, this is why I nominated it. I, you know, easily in in my top twenty five. Um, but yeah, this is uh, possibly even in my top ten. You know, I'm usually angry with you over what you nominate because you win, and then we end up having to watch it on Crap's piece. But this time, thank you. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Professor? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's a little bit overrated. Probably give it. <laughs> no, this, I mean, this movie never gets, I never get tired of watching it. I could turn around after we're done with this podcast and watch it again and be just as happy with watching it again, yeah, even right. though I just watched it earlier today, literally right before we did this podcast <laughs> is when I watched it. So, and I don't know how many times I've seen it, and or how many more times I can't guess. I'll see it before I die, unless I die tomorrow. That that was morbid, but you know. Yeah. Uh, knock on wood. Let's hope everything's all right. Well, <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, if it, you know, considering I, I live out the rest of my life and get in the old age, who knows how many more times I watch this thing? So, uh, yeah, I can't go any lower than a five either. So I do believe that this is going to be the first time. Yeah. That I, all. It, it, yeah, it is. This is it. That all five or five, five of us. Yeah, we, we just had, there was another person. Didn't you hear him? That all four Austin Trunick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that all four of us. That's on cannon uh, cannon fodder. All four of us gave a five. The closest we came that I can see was twice. Uh, Die Hard was close. Three of us gave it a five. Will gave it a four. And then Dawn of the Dead. Two of us gave fives. One four and three quarters, and one four and a half. So I think wow. that's the closest we ever came to to a perfect five. So wow. well deserved, I think. I, I don't, you know, you're not going to get an argument out of us, and I doubt anybody listening is going to argue too hard. If you've sat down and watched this movie, I mean, unless you're just like, no, this other thing is just way better. I can't give it a five. You know, then what the fuck are we doing? Or let's you know? just have a burning hatred for some reason for Joe Pesci or Ray Liotta or yeah, what? Scorsese, whatever. Like there's some, there's some oh, other. Yeah side motivation otherwise how how could you give it anything less yeah um, there's no to me there's no there are no flaws there are no flaws in it for me now so. and, and i think that goes hand in hand too with uh it being on that afi top 100 like to me like all the movies on that pretty much mm -hmm. they don't have any flaws you know like if it's considered yeah. a top 100 movie of all time you're like you know opinions are objective obviously by definition but like i think most people would agree when you watch those movies on that list one by one, they're all, you know, fours and fives, you know, so it goes, it goes hand in hand on that. So it makes sense. Um, since this is Colt Corner, we don't do the kill count. We don't do the gore score, but we do have the Colt connections, Donnie. Donnie, where's the Colt connections? Come out and play. Yeah, I think that was the perfect, you know, since that yeah. was our first Colt Corner, right? That was, yeah, yeah. yeah the Warriors. Yeah, the so, um, uh, you want me to keep this going, or you want me to stop it? Or... <laughs> I'll, I'll it's on ahead. like eternal loop, right? For about five <laughs> yeah, hours, it goes. Yeah, on. it'll just keep going. I'm pretty so. sure. Yeah, it's on our Spotify. You can actually uh, check us out on. Uh, <laughs> it's the ten minute you know. cut of. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so um, um, if you're just joining us uh, for this, which actually you shouldn't be, but uh, either way, uh, uh, we connect the current episode with. Uh, past Spook Show episodes uh, through cast and crew. So uh, on the cast side, we've got two. Uh, Melissa Prophet played Angie, who is uh, Henry Hill's... Um, uh, she wasn't exactly a hooker. She was kind of still, I guess, kind of a whore. Um, Girlfriend. She also connects back to... Uh, I think she played McGuire in um, Invasion USA. Um, and also Tony Darrow. Um, he played Sonny, the restaurant owner. Uh, he also dates back to Street Trash. 
Uh, he was, yeah, he was uh, Nick Durant, I think, in uh, Sweet Church. Oh, God. That guy? <laughs> that guy was in there? Yeah. Jeez, yeah, was. That. Tony Darrow. Man. So um, that's the cast side, the crew side. Um, we have a stunt crew, uh, stunt crew member, um, Alex Stevens. He was in uh, Invasion USA. Uh, sadly, he passed in 2015, but he was uh, fairly prolific uh, uh, in – the types of movies that we do, uh, this will probably not be the last time we we call his name. All right, well, that's uh, that'll wrap it up for this uh, edition of Colt Corner here on the Spook Show. Um, next week, we will be returning back to the uh, the rotation, and we're going to be watching Hellraiser Four, Hellraiser Bloodline. I, I say four because you know that's the fourth edition, but it's technically yep. not the official title. The official title is Hellraiser Bloodline. That's from 1996. So we're getting back on that series. And that was also my choice, by the way, in the rotation. Uh, I'll go ahead and read the IMDb synopsis. In the 22nd century, a scientist attempts to right the wrong his ancestor created. The puzzle box that opens the gates of hell and unleashes Pinhead and his Cenobite legions. Oh, boy. We're going to have fun talking about this one. I'll say that. Right? Any, anybody mm. else? Anybody else? <laughs> about all I, yeah. Be? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll save it. We'll save it for next week. So <laughs> there we go. Our return to the Hellraiser series. So uh, that, that'll that pretty much wrap it up here. So for Will, Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are from the All-American Spook Show podcast, and we'll talk to you next week for Hellraiser Bloodline. Please replace the speaker on its rack when you're ready to leave. Failure to do so will damage both the speaker and your car. We'll be grateful, and so will the patrons who follow you. <laughs>